This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 441, Snake in a Tube. Another edition of Games at Work.biz. This is one of your co-hosts, um, Michael Martin, who is delighted to be here with another co-host and also named Michael, who you probably know and remember. Hey, Michael, how are you today? I am well. Uh, I'm excited to be here again on Friday recording this episode of Games at Work.biz and really excited that our co-host Andy is uh, selling his artwork. Yeah, I know. That Isn't that great? So cool. Yeah. First sale. For sale, you know, yeah. women, you know, maybe not Banksy he, he level prices, artist. you know, but yeah, exactly. He he is he is uh, uh, jumped over that amateur rank and is in the professional yeah. money making uh, endeavors that we know all artists do. Well, he's paid. I don't know if he made money. He'd spent a lot of time, effort, and probably money designing all this, but it's still impressive as all can be, and I, I'm really excited. So, Michael, are, are so you, Andy, and I professional podcasters at this point? Um, <laughs> I would say no. <clears throat> Maybe our, we're our experienced. dollars just haven't reached that level yet. We're experienced podcasters. We may not be professional. Very experienced. How, how many? How many years have we been doing this? You, you and I have been doing this for know, seventeen 12, years. You know, something like that. It's been a long time. It's crazy, right? Two thousand six. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely nutso. But you know, that's kind of what's out there. So all of you friends out there with large language models, if you need to have a Michael, Michael, Andy, all kinds of other, you know, stuff going into your LLM, you got content. So we have a really intriguing show this week um, as we're sliding into the U.S. Thanksgiving week next week. And hopefully this will tide everybody over. Um, uh, We did get some interesting feedback, I would say, too, from our last show from our friend of the podcast, Epred, from Ian. And Ian shared with us a link about the special elements of the U.K., versions of roundabouts and how they are yes and used. all i can say is they're crazy man they're crazy <laughs> well I, I do like that they have a lot of signaling instructions so i think that's they, a, that's a plus they do i think some of it is excessive and confusing i think you should uh, signal anytime you're making a turn you should let other people know well if you're entering from the okay remember for those people not in the UK or people who drive on the right side of the road instead of the left side of the road. I'm not saying right or wrong, just right and left. So they drive on the left side of the road. And if you're in the rightmost of the left lane, (laughs) turning into a roundabout, that is a two lane roundabout and you're gonna take the first right. So that's your third turn if it's a four entrance roundabout. They want you to signal left on the entry and then signal right to leave. Correct. Because you're going into the roundabout to the left. Nobody can see you to where they're signaling to the left makes any sense. People behind you can see you. 
people in front of you can see you. What about a bicyclist? They can see you. <sighs> and then, then my favorite, and, and this was really fun, and you and I were talking about it, were the, the multiple roundabouts that are interconnected into a cluster bout, is what I'm going to call it. Uh, and they actually want you to stop in the roundabout, which at one level, yes, it makes sense. It's safe for you. But the purpose of a roundabout is to keep moving. And so you will stop in a roundabout, causing a backup in the roundabout, out of the roundabout, in order to merge with the other roundabout. I can see now why people think they're confusing. Mm. Simple roundabouts, which is what we have in the States here, are simple, right? This is almost a ludicrous speed. Or we have roundabouts that are joined kind of by a bit of straight road, kind of like a barbell or yes. something like that. You like, know. like a road in between, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that makes more sense than having two circles kind of butting up against one another. Up against each other. Yeah. Exactly. That, that, it, it, I got to wonder, though, you know, this because this is a little bit like SimCity. You know, could, could you build yes. a, a quadrabout? <laughs> could, could you build an octabout? I, I think I had that one named correctly. A clusterbout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so all of those would fit into clusterbouts for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> all right. So um, so th thinking of things thank that you, are like Ian. really super weird. Yes, thank you, Ian. Um, the, the title of this show uh, came from a wacko YouTube video, which I know I've seen at some point in the past. I mean, this says a year ago, yeah. but I think this has actually been around before. It is um, is a robotic mech, if you will, for a snake, because, you know, or snakes. A snack. A snake, because yeah, snakes need <laughs> legs. So, you know, they they probably yes. dream all the time of like, if I only could oh, walk, yeah. if I only had some legs, right? Kind of like androids dream of electric sheep, but snakes dream of plastic legs. Yes. So, um, if you want to see snakes walking about, which I know some people don't want to see snakes at all, then just skip over that YouTube video. Do not scroll down in the show notes, and you will be safe. Uh, no worries about that. It's, it's actually kind of really cool how the thing moves. Now, I think this video, it says it's an edit out of a longer, probably more authoritative video that you saw. Uh, I, I ignored all the context of the text and the other crap around it, right? Uh, but yeah, it I could not tell. To me, it looked like the movement of the snake with the legs was controlled externally. It wasn't the movement of the snake's body actually controlling the snake's movement mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay yeah so cool stuff but it was still freaky so we're, we're going to continue on this legs theme and uh, if, if you like puns this is the show for you for the for the remainder of the, of the episode uh the next story here is about microsoft teams and microsoft mesh which is the mixed reality engagement environments that microsoft has and um, much like we've been talking about from a uh, meta facebook kind of experience um no surprise here that the avatars in microsoft mesh uh, likewise do not have legs um, so well, the meta ones do now, right? I mean, the meta ones do. Like well, it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. You know, yeah, you, you had to kind of uh, catch up with Second Life there from you know 2006 and all. But um, yeah, yeah. 
It, it's a, it's interesting. You don't need to be in a 3D space. You don't have to wear a headset or anything. You know, don't need to wear um, uh, anything special to experience mesh, uh, legs or not. Um, but if you do, you will get more experience, uh, more more visceral experience as you would expect. But um, the pictures here do tell the story. Yeah, it's it it, it is interesting though. I mean, given many companies doing return to office i'm wondering if we're going to go back through another wave of of less importance for virtual spaces right during the pandemic um everything was kind of moving that way article talks about this too um as soon as they can get people back in the office we'll pull back and it seems like every time this occurs we get closer to something usable um so our are we usable yet? Are we able to do things that make this fun and worthwhile? Uh, and uh, yeah, I I have not tried Mesh yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, mesh for Teams. Um, I don't use Teams unless I have to because I'm working with a specific customer or partner who uses Teams and they've set up the meeting. Uh, it's functional, right? Uh, got no problems with it, uh, but it's not the one that we use in the day job and uh for outside of the day job i don't want to do any of them <laughs> i'd rather go into a virtual world or meet in person one of the two yeah uh, excellent points michael all and and i think there is enough of a resurgence too of people going back to office spaces but they have to be office spaces that people want to be in and they have to suit the way people want to work and of course the pandemic has done a lot of things to change that so making making a blended workspace of some remote some in person etc cetera, etc cetera, are all crucial elements of bringing people together and and getting the experiences that you want for employees to be able to collaborate and do so in a way that suits them and their work style. Yeah, I was, um, I, after the U.S. holiday, which is next weekend or next week, um, I am coming back and have to teach a class for three days. Uh, and there are a few people in the class who are local. Mm-hmm. And so, because the rest are literally scattered about the globe, I am going to do it all virtual. Because we know that if you have a small group co-located, right. uh, you tend to focus incorrectly on that small group, right? Because it's more natural. They're right there with you. They're in the room with you. And so, uh, my, my choice is to not do that just out of consistency of experience for everybody there. that's a wise thing because blended experiences like that, where you are co-located with people and have some people remote, especially if you're trying to do something collaborative uh, is, is tricky. If you're teaching or presenting, it's maybe a little less so, but still, um, I, I had a similar experience this week. Um, I, I gave a briefing to um, a group of recruiters from our company that there were probably about 20 or so in the room and there were four or five remote and we had a telepresence structure for them. So they got a, a lovely view of the back of my head for, for much of it. But I remember to look back and try to make sure I was engaging them occasionally, uh, without presenting then to, (laughs) to the folks on the remote 
aspect and turn my back on the people that are in the room. And the room was not set to facilitate me doing both, right? There was no magic triangle there where I could handle both sets of people. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And if it were reversed, three people in the room and the vast majority out elsewhere, uh, the right better idea would be, okay, let's do everything remote. Yeah, we've got, we've probably got five local and I've got 30 other people spread out over seven other locations. Mm -hmm. So yeah all right well we're gonna we're gonna dive we'll all all have legs yeah we're we're gonna dive deep into something now that doesn't have legs uh, that came into our feeds for the week and um i'd never heard of uh, an underwater robot described as a kite an underwater kite but i guess it makes sense because many fish uh and other (laughs) uh man-made environmental items do tend to fly through water if you will so Mm -hmm. a kite is not necessarily a bad word to describe it and uh, there's a swedish startup uh, one of two which we're going to talk about today uh called ministro that has been creating underwater turbines and more and we have an example of a kite here that they have to capture capture energy for power generation. You know, I always had to, uh, uh, I always wondered about power generation from movement of waves, mm-hmm. and and I think of cosmic time, right? Not not you know this week. Uh, in cosmic time, you know, there's a theory of science that uh, the universe is running down to entropy. Sure. And and I I wonder if. Uh, you know, if you had a whole ocean full of these, if we would be pulling the energy out of the tidal waves that are caused by the gravitational changes with the moon and, and the rotation of the earth, and we would be speeding up uh, entropy on a timely scale. Con- consuming consuming energy, so, yeah, even yes. though the conservation laws well, exist, right? Well, energy is neither created nor destroyed. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yes. All right. So we're distributing it. <laughs> Check that out for for some good fun stuff. So now uh, we're going to switch over to a topic that we introduced briefly last week. And uh, Michael, you've had a chance to watch now the humane AI pin uh, that I also saw last week's show. And so we're going to yep. include the links and everything for this this time around. Um, I'm curious. We did not talk about this in our our massive prep session and pre show mm-hmm. uh, conversations. Um, what's your take? On well, it, the humane was, AI pin, it was it, it was interesting. There were a lot of people online over the last week who had seen the video that you had seen too, and said, "Meh," right? They they were highly underwhelmed, and they claimed there were significant hallucinations in the AI and all this other stuff. And and I actually, I thought it was exactly the right video. Right, uh, what they're trying to do is is not provide a glitz, you know, glitzy, all new, exciting way of interacting with tech. Right? right, they're trying to say this becomes something that's kind of, for lack of a better term, in the air tonight. Uh, you know, it's it's ambient interaction with an AI. Uh, and to that perspective, I, I thought it was a very well done video. Uh, I thought the product made sense for what it's trying to do. It's not trying to replace your phone. It doesn't claim to be trying to replace your phone. It does require a data plan. And, and I thought it was, it, it was a good example of kind of where we're going to go next in how to interact with, uh, an AI assistant in a manner that is, 
I don't want to call it natural. I'll say more natural, but not natural. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I enjoyed it. I thought it made sense. I thought it was a, it was exactly the level it needed to be. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm glad I'm glad you had a chance to see it, too. I mean, there was a few takeaways for me from the the way it was portrayed uh, very much along the lines of and no, no, no surprise here, given the Apple heritage of the founders of a Apple product introduction, um, you know, the the focus on the people, the um, I mean, we didn't talk about the aluminum uh, componentry and the like, yes. but as uh, the news began to unfold about the pin, showing that you had kind of a more basic set of materials and treatment and an upgraded version of materials and treatment, kind of like the ceramic watches and things like that we've seen in the past that were a bit more money, if that's the thing that you wanted to spend money in, on, um, I found found really interesting. What I found the most interesting about all of this was the thought that had gone into criticisms that had happened in the past on mm -hmm. other kinds of devices like this phones and others, namely around the idea of batteries and being able to swap yes. batteries out. So I love, love, love nice. the battery approach. And for those of you who haven't seen it yet, the simple way of explaining it is you've got the pin, which has a battery in it. And then you've got a battery pack that ma uh, magnetically attaches to the pin, charges the pin's battery and supplies additional energy. And then you can swap that battery pack out for another one that's already charged and charge the one that has been depleted so that you can continuously use and wear this thing as you go. So it really takes away the idea of, hey, I can't access the battery and hot swap it. I mean, we haven't heard that phrase or that in criticism time, around phones yeah. for a while because phones yeah. are now all day batteries for everybody, right? Right. It, I mean, the, the thing in the past was you needed a battery to swap. It wasn't a hot swap. Right? Yeah. Hot swap implies it was still running. Um, and the, the other thing that I thought they did a really good job of was recognizing uh, that this thing, you know, it – it is something that is magnetically attached to your clothing, right? Right. So there's a magnet on one side with a battery and the device on the other side with a battery and your clothing is wedged in between magnetically. Right. Uh, and, and the fact that they said, you know, we're going to have different adapters depending on the material Mm -hmm. that your clothing is out of. You know, if it's a leather jacket, you need something much more sturdy, maybe a clip with a right. magnet on it. Uh, if you have, you know, a, a, a thin blouse, you want something that's not a, a, as as hefty or, or weighty. And the, the one thing that wasn't clear to me, however, uh, was the actual weight of the device itself. They probably showed the metric and I just didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, I didn't catch but that either. I, I, I'm thinking of uh, one of the big things uh, we did back in the virtual world days was working with companies that were... Uh, working on how do you realistically render cloth movement in a virtual space. And that's gotten me thinking, I was thinking a about lot that about today cloth. Too. I was thinking about that right? today too. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and how it actually behaves. So, so if this thing weighs, you know, um, a couple, couple of, of grams yeah. mm -hmm. versus, you know, uh, a couple of ounces, mm. those are very different when it comes to how it might pull the clothing and cause it to shift, etc. If you're wearing it on a shirt instead of a jacket, right? Or, or depending on, there's lots of different things to consider. And it looked like they had at least considered those. 
Right. Right. So very, very cool. So I don't want to leave it yet because there's maybe two more things that that struck me. So so one one thing that struck me is I kind of want this device. Now, $700 is not like, oh, I'll just get it kind of money. And well, 700 plus 25 bucks a month. True. <laughs> and and uh, getting the device is not like an instantaneous thing. It's going to be in 2024. Even if you ordered right. it today, it's going to be a while before it arrives. So it's not exactly small change. And the, the reasons why I kind of want it is it does things that a phone wouldn't do without you holding the phone up. So very much like the augmented reality versus virtual reality notion versus holding a phone in front of your face and letting the phone's right. camera and interaction do those things. Could you do all of the things that you might want to do with a pin like this using your phone and using mm-hmm. the uh, speech to text kind of capabilities? Yes, of course you could do all those things, but, the, the the thing that's super intriguing to me is that um, remember our Mr. Mumbles kind of conversations about, you know, yep. saying things into a phone using voice and it was like, it just feels unnatural. This for mm-hmm. whatever reason, and again, lots of press around the Star Trek examples. So, you know, we probably weren't the first to say it, but we're among the first to say that sort of thing, that it is a communicator pin that you activate by touching it, not by using a wake word of some sort. This will, this will spawn new ideas about how you interact with compute and the world and being at the front of that kind of interaction with a personal device. I mean, shoot, why couldn't you do this with your watch? Well, your watch is not able to look at the things that you're looking at. You would have to take out right. the phone, hold your phone, scan the QR code or the barcode or the device. This is a whole different way of integrating compute in a much more natural way into your day-to-day life and not through an intermediary like a ski goggle experience or even a glasses experience. So love it. Love it for those reasons. And those are reasons why I kind of want to experience this. The, the, the last thing I wanted to say around it is the question marks I have around the large language model and around the security and privacy, while the company attests to those things and talks about those things, I kind of sort of want the research community to jump on it from their perspective and render some Prove opinions before <laughs> I plunk down $700 plus $25 a month. Um, yes. So- Watch the space. Cool things are going to happen here. I think so too. Very All right. cool. So um, now speaking of cool things uh, and some older things, so, you know, games with legs, uh, We you found an example of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, uh, which yes. for certain elements of our population, you can get for free, huh? Yeah. Um, and, and I years ago bought this on i can't remember if it's on the apple app store because they re-released it for the mac um it's an it's an old uh game open world game uh single player mm-hmm. not multiplayer right uh set four thousand years i think before uh the the empire uh, in the world of star wars uh and Co- cosmic time a pittance of cosmic time really yes yes um they didn't have to worry about any entropy at this point. Uh, and uh, the, the I, I know people love this game. I, I, you didn't love it. 
I don't love it. Oh. <laughs> um, I I like. I like Star Wars Galaxies, as mm -hmm. we know, right? Dancing with Wookiees. Yep. Um, this one, I've got it. I try to play it. I never get very far in it because it's it has this strange mechanic where you build up your your character, but you always have one assistant character kind of with you. A companion, and you, perhaps. And you have to swap characters in order to do certain things mm. so you use your companion and then you control the companion it's not like you know um companions in world of warcraft or other games where you control one character and you build yourself up and you might have companions and the ai just deals with them uh and so it just that mechanic kind of throws me off You'd rather be a same. player you know, and be your player. Lots of mini side quests, but you have a large storyline that you're trying to go through, and it's it, it, it's interesting from that perspective. Um, and yeah, uh, Amazon, if you uh, have Prime Gaming, it will make it free as of yesterday. And we're recording this on a Friday, so yes. Yeah, so if this is an, an intriguing game for you, you want to uh, act quickly. You may have already downloaded it by now, yeah. Or we're telling you what you missed. Yeah, either either one. <laughs> Because if you're listening yeah. to this way in the future, yeah, so, sorry for that, friends. No, yeah. That's a bad thing. You should um, buy it and, and pay developers. So so uh, speaking of the future, um, I think it was Andy that shared the yes. link about the Downpour games. So Downpour yes. is a way of making fun video games by taking pictures of things, linking them together, and presto magico, you can make a game. And um, uh, it's not developed by Lindsay Buckingham, but by V Buckingham and the anticipation to have this available in iOS and Android is in 2024. So it looks like a very easy to do kind of choose your own adventure game. Yes. And and we'll have a link to our choose your own adventure. I think, I think you wrote it for us back in 2013 for getting ready for a show. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to take a game of being a podcaster and what it's like to get ready for a show, play the game and you'll enjoy it. We got it. the game for we got you. The, we have the game for you. So, um, you can play it at work, too. <laughs> you, you could, but we wouldn't necessarily recommend that. No. So Dot biz. <laughs> finishing out our show for the week, we've got um, a couple of things that are like uh, minus legs and the second yes. Swedish startup that we have is a company called Einride, and they have drone trucks that the claim to fame around these is that um, basically the entirety of the vehicle is the um, the trailer. The, the All the things you need to put in it are right in there, and it doesn't have a cab. It doesn't. Well, it has an engine, but that's underneath the trailer, if you will. And it is a um, robotic truck that looks like it's going to be uh, something that uh, will drive be driving around roads in Europe here before too long. Yeah, well, they, they started in Tennessee. Out, testing them in 2021 in the U.S. Yeah. Um, in Tennessee. Uh, and so uh, they've been using them. They're autonomous trucks, and they're used to move um, appliances around at this at this plant. So uh, they did some pilots in 2022, 
built for U.S. roads. Uh, so what's what's exciting is yeah, is uh, if you see a truck, a trailer <laughs> driving down the road one day in the near future, it might be one of these driving past you with nobody in it. Oh, and, and I didn't notice this before, but now I do. So all of the driving that's going around so far you know, are on private roads that are owned by GE at their appliance park headquarters. Yeah, so yeah. That's, I think it's it's a closed system, yep. uh, which uh, makes sense, right? And, and and I can imagine, we talked about this before on some of the, um, the uh, what do they call them, platooning models that uh, are right. done with some uh, autonomous vehicles where they have one human driver and then like a platoon of of uh, autonomous vehicles that follow it, right? Yep. And so you have like a little convoy of trucks going down the road. So, so I can see this going into that type of environment. Absolutely. And it makes sense because there are robotic sleds and other kind of capabilities that exist within manufacturing shop floor kind of environments that take things yeah. from one place to another in their, their journey of construction. So it only makes sense that you could do something like this where you've got robots connected to robots connected to robots. I would assume that this tech... Maybe not this startup or this company, but this tech is very similar uh, to what was showcased at CES a few years back where they had shuttle buses going between um, autonomous driverless shuttle buses going between locations at Mm. CES in Vegas. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Looks looks like it could be very similar. So so rounding out our show for the week. Uh, we've got one more leg thing. This is a leg O thing. And it, it is the advent calendars that Lego is famous for for years and years. And they've they've got a, um, a multitude of them. And what's surprising is here we are on the 17th of November. And believe it or not, they are available still. Typically, these Lego advent calendars are sold out by this time. And if you are Jones in for a Harry Potter or Star Wars calendar set. Um, you can get them, and they're even on sale at ten percent. I was about to say, and they're on sale. Yeah, that's so the amazing thing. M- must be must be some production numbers this time around that were like, oh, well, we can sell a ton of these, and and they can because they're awesome. So, <laughs> Lego Advent calendars. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well, and. Uh, wouldn't that be great to have Legos as a sponsor? You know, in case you want to have us, you know, the, yeah. Sponsor, if, we would if, love if they want that. to sponsor a a kick butt podcast that's all about gaming technology, yeah, building things and fun, robotics, and fun. fun, yeah, yeah. I just we we'd be a great choice. Just come over to gamesatwork.biz <laughs> and, and reach out to us. Uh, you could be our sponsor. Well, uh, Michael, I know you and I have an awful lot to be grateful for, and Thanksgiving is the time when it's not the only time we're trying to be grateful all the time, but it is a special time to be grateful for things. So uh, chances are we haven't quite solidified everything just yet. Chances are there may not be a podcast until we hit December um, because of our holiday week here in the United States. But uh, we we shall see. You You never know. It could be a surprise. could be like, you know, unexpected special podcast and going on who knows but if there is you will find it on gamesatwork.biz and you'll be able to learn all about it and do fun stuff after you've heard our interesting stories so thank you everybody for listening (laughs) again and uh, looking forward to connecting with everybody again in the audience in the next episode see ya see ya
You've been listening to GamesAtWork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at GamesAtWork underscore biz or at our website at GamesAtWork.biz. Music.